Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here are a few quick ways in which you can support the podcast. Downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies are available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Fancy some non-digital downtime? Well, for just £20 a year, you can subscribe to our biannual printed mountain bike journal, Downtime EP. It's made in collaboration with the incredible team over at Miss Spence Summers. Downtime EP takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format, featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe to get your very own copies of these beautiful pieces of print over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a little bit more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. And if you've done all of that, then please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook too, where we're at Downtime Podcast. The links for all of that are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can either listen to today's episode right here, or if you'd prefer to watch it, you can now do that from 7pm UK time on the day the episode launches over on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. I'll also pop a link to the video in the show notes over on my website, downtimepodcast.com. All right, this week I'm joined by Thibaut Ruffin. Thibaut runs possibly the most successful downhill race team on the planet right now, comments Al Muckoff. With riders like Miriam Nicole, Thibaut de Prella and Amory Piron, Thibaut and the team have gone on to take four team overall wins in the last five years. Hear how Thibaut started his own race career and how his team riding addiction began. We chat about what it takes to grow the team over the years to go from being a privateer setup to pretty much the biggest team in the paddock. I asked Thibaut his thoughts on concussion, the ESO takeover for 2023, the growing importance of testing and much, much more. So without further ado, here's Thibaut Ruffin. Thibaut Ruffin, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you today? Um, things are pretty good, just starting the day and uh, yeah, starting in a good way. Thanks for, for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, man. And we'll obviously spend a lot of time chatting about the uh, the team as it is today. But before we do that, let's get some background on you and your your kind of career so far. Tell us a little bit about growing up, because I think skiing was your first love, right? Yeah, we. Um, so yeah, I've been in skiing for like like pretty much every kid in my uh, in uh, in my valley or where I'm from. Like um, yeah, starting on the ski from a pretty young age. Not that young on my side, but yeah, still uh, still quite young and. Uh, yeah, got into ski racing for yeah quite a big part of my of my youth, like until I would say eighteen years old. I've been okay. uh, racing ski, racing ski, and um, yeah. yeah, then dis- discovered the uh, mountain bike. Like in the these last few years, years I've been racing ski, and uh, yeah, just fell in love uh, with that. And how did mountain biking come about? I, I think it was something to do with your parents, wasn't it? Yeah, my parents was, uh, I think my dad got a, a back surgery uh, at some point, like maybe when I was, I would say 10, around 10-ish, I would say. Um, got in, so he got into road racing for, road riding and racing for his recovery and uh, got pretty much a lot into, into that. And uh, there was some random, you know, 
kids bike race at this uh, road race, like I think after the main race and uh, yeah, took part of it and uh, yeah, really liked it. And uh, yeah, and then just become like a way to, to hang with like my parents and their, their friends um, at the weekend. They start like a, a mountain bike club in, a, in our town and uh, yeah, just riding for, for fun, you know, just uh, mainly in my young age, like from, I would say, 12 to 15 before starting uh, racing, I would say. Yeah. And it was it Leger World Cup that got you interested in the racing side of things, a trip to that? Yeah. I think the first Leger World Cup I've, um, I came to, to see was maybe 19 or, or uh, 98 or 97. Uh, can't really remember, but yeah, <laughs> I saw that it was, I was, wow, I want to do that. Like I, I, I remember like buying all the, all the bike magazine and uh, yeah, just <laughs> yeah, I got crazy about oh cool like these bikes were looking like at that time you know even if you look at them now <laughs> they look so shit but um, yeah it was yeah wow that's that's really cool and uh, yeah just yeah that's that's definitely what I wanted to do yeah and were you were you a naturally competitive person did you did you want to go and try and beat other people at that point um, I wouldn't say I was at first uh, but. That kind of um, ski racing atmosphere and, uh, and mindset was uh, kind of make it make this grow inside of me and uh, just yeah just yeah learn, learn you how to teach you how to be competitive and uh, and probably it was somewhere in me but maybe not from my young age and uh, I think it get yeah more present uh, when I get uh, I get older and. Uh, kind of discovered what I wanted to do or just like the the pleasure you get when you when you you, you get results or good stuff you know yeah definitely and how um like were you racing the skiing and the mountain biking at the same time was there an overlap between the two um yeah over the so I would say from 15 that I started racing bikes more uh like as a as a real sport i would say um so i've been yeah racing ski in the winter and bike in the summer and uh you know that ski mindset was really like uh, strict and uh you know when you wanted to perform as a ski racer you had to ski like i wouldn't say 365 days a year but as much as you can and it was um skiing on glacier in the summer and uh in fall obviously and yeah pretty much not time to 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 do anything else and uh it was like yeah just heavy i would say for everybody who was racing ski and you you can see like the the all the guys that performs as a skier you know, has been like really good and really strong mentally to to get through it because it's really it was really demanding as a sport and from a very young age you know yeah and um yeah, then I discovered, so uh, I started racing bike and uh, yeah, so obviously I didn't want to go back to to skiing in the summer because I'd, I'd rather race my bike as much as I could. And uh, for me, there was no no choice that uh, it was just clear that it was the, the, the funniest thing to do, you know. <laughs> and um, and the funny thing, like over the past few years, I've been doing both. I got the best ski results I've got in my career, let's say. And uh, I was getting pretty decent uh, on a bike too, so that was. I think it kind of, it kind of provided me the the right balance and uh, that kind of freshness when I 
got back on ski in the winter. And uh, yeah, maybe it also helped me to, to understand the way to ski because of mountain bike, maybe the way to, to ride mountain bike good because of ski, you know? Yeah. Because so, it, it's super complementary, um, as you probably know. It can, it can be really complementary. Yeah. Was it, was it an easy decision then ultimately to leave ski racing behind and focus on, on the mountain bike side? So, so it comes back, uh, in 2002, uh, I raced my first World Cup in Leger, which was early September or late September, not too sure. And uh, I ended up, um, with a shoulder injury, um, you know, um, yeah, not too sure the English word, uh, just the, the joint here yeah, that got uh, almost broken. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be back on the skis for like another couple or three months. So, which bring me to the, to the, to the season start, maybe, maybe later than that. And, uh, and yeah, I had a good bike season and I was like, yeah, I'm not too sure if I want to push you in the, in the ski racing. And, uh, yeah, just help me do the switch. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I was like full, uh, full mountain biker. Nice. And how did you go about finding support then in the mountain bike side of things and getting everything you needed to go and compete like on the world stage? So, um, I think 2000 from 2000 and 2002, um, my parents and, uh, Damien Spaniolo parents, uh, I'm sure you remember Damien who's been a vice world champion behind Danny in, uh, in Champagne, like that yeah. crazy, crazy race. Amazing race. Yeah. So Damien actually lived, uh, 10 minutes from where I lived, um, at the time. And, um, yeah, our parents just set up like a, a small team at the time just to help us racing, um, at the French level and, uh, yeah, starting to do a few world cups, uh, nearby, you know? Awesome. Uh, yeah, so that, that was, was the, the thing. Yeah. The beginning of the, the family team. And did you have a deal were Iron Horse helping out at that point, or was that oh, a little bit later? Iron Horse came uh, came a lot, uh, like a four or five years yet later, when I actually started riding addiction. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, back with Damien, we were orange bikes, like full British. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that was that were yeah they were the bikes that were cool at that time, and they were working <laughs> really well. I remember like. I remember them being so noisy, but working so good at the time. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. So how, how did you then decide to set up the, like the riding addiction thing and put together <clears throat> your own program? So over the, these past few years between 2002 and uh, 2006, um, so we kind of part ways with Damien. Damien, we just, uh, Damien went on Q-Bike and I joined the um, French Intense team. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think from end 2004 and yeah, 2005, I just, I was thinking of doing my, uh, my thing, you know, just, yeah, just starting some kind of a team and, uh, yeah, just the way to, to do what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do, you know, and kind of have that freedom to work with some people from the, the industry that I wanted to work with and, uh, and just trying, trying to do something good and well done let's say yeah and um yeah i think second race of 2006 i broke my acl in um in winning uh was it Willingen? no no just after winning gun world cup but at a at a french cup and my season was was over and uh yeah just took that time uh to to build that riding addiction project and um yeah i remember w- w- um 
coming to Eurobike uh, a couple months later on crutches, on crutches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I had to get to see like uh, bronze. And, you know, I didn't have like crazy results at that time. You know, I was uh, maybe World Cup top 30, 40. Mm -hmm. So nothing major, a few decent national rankings. But, you know, I wasn't winning everything at all, you know. Um, and yeah, just no, just uh, yeah, being at Eurobike, knocking doors, and uh, and uh, and that was it. And yeah, a few months later, uh, got an email back from uh, from Shen, um, who's you no know, um, athlete manager at Monster Energy, who was running the Ironos team at that time, and uh, also every Ironos um, like athletes program. Mm -hmm. uh, got an email back saying that he wanted to to support my project and. Uh, and that was it, you know, I was, I was like crazy because, uh, 20, 20, 2006, like Ironos was the, was the thing like, <laughs> with yeah, Sammy that was and, the bike uh, to be on, right? Fuck it. Yeah, that, that was the, that, I couldn't believe it. Like I remember that winter being like so excited and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Do you, do you think that bike was like better than anything else on the circuit at that point? Or was it just the kind of hype with like Sam and Brendan and people like that riding it? No, I think that, that bike was good. Uh, I think obviously at that time, every riders wasn't as picky as they can be now. But uh, I remember it watching, uh, watching, working really, really well. And I think these guys also proved it because they got they, they were dominating the sports uh, back in that time, you know. So no, it was it was a good bike definitely. And uh, yeah. I think that that system is still somehow kind of present uh, the, uh, these days on some bikes. So no, for sure, like. Uh, I think it's Dave, Dave Wiggle who, who does this this system, and uh, I think this guy knows a bit of what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. And Iron Horse sort of like disappeared from the scene. I still don't really know kind of quite what went on there. Did that leave you looking for another bike sponsor? And is that is that where the Commensal link comes in? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they really disappeared. That's the that's the word. Nobody had. <laughs> Just a few person knows what what happened there, and uh, and yeah, I, um, so it was the end of two thousand eight. Um, yeah, I remember being in Schladming World Cup, which was finals uh, that year, and uh, there was some commercial people, and uh, you know, I knew some of them from from that year, maybe a year before. And I was like, I have no bikes for for next year. Just help me, please help me. You know, <laughs> give me a few friends, and, and uh, that be the, that will be it. And uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's been the way for for the next yeah 15 years maybe <laughs> yeah a long time so what what yeah. was the setup at that point was it just yourself or was yeah. your brother involved like how big was the was the team no 2009 was uh yeah was only by myself by myself um my brother was also like uh 100% in ski racing at that time you know that's the that's the curve for 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 yeah for kids in the mountains you know but he was obviously riding bikes in the summer because i did and uh it was it was also pretty good at that but yeah really focused on uh on, on ski racing and it was actually pretty good so so yeah so yeah the dh team was myself uh, i did 2009 still by myself and um and yeah at the end of 2009 same in schladming um i got to Go on the gondola with Miriam, who was injured at that time, and uh, and uh, and looking for a team, <laughs> and uh, yeah, decided 
for at least offered us to uh, to give it a try and uh, and make it happen and uh, and yeah another step forward in the in the right direction to be where we are now. Yeah, so and that was a big deal, right? Signing signing Miriam at that point in time, like it's a real pivotal point in the growth of the team. Was was that an easy decision for you to br- start growing it and start bringing in other riders? Uh, it was actually pretty tricky because you know we had no budget at all at that time. You know, I was uh, working as a ski instructor during the winter to to get some money to do my season. I have a few financial sponsors, you know over where I am, but it was like nothing to, to make even a small work at teamwork. And, uh, but it, I think I somehow took some risk at that time. Cause yeah, I remember my parents saying like, there's always that, you know, there, there's always been part of the, of the thing. And my boss, my mother was like, no, you, you can't, you can't do it. It's going to be too hard, like financially. And, uh, and you know, girl, it's always tricky and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, and my dad was, my dad is more the one who's, uh, pushing to take for take risks. So it's a good balance between, uh, between the two. And, uh, was like, yeah, you should try. Maybe it's, it can be good. And obviously Miriam, you know, was really promising and, uh, on the elite world cup debut so so yeah definitely it's definitely been a, a step in the right direction yeah for sure and miriam had some success on the team pretty quickly right which i guess turned some heads yeah so like straight away um i think first world cup the next so 2010 was maribor and uh i think I, i'm not sure if she won or got second in qualifying like surprisingly because she was she's never been that good she, she got some podium but I think fifth place or something in the past, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I think she, I think she, she won the quality, but whatever. And, uh, in final, she was, I think at the top, at, um, first at the top split and then broke her, her derailleur anger. Like I think at the end of the first, uh, the first wood section in Maribor. And, uh, I remember watching her on the, on the TV screen, uh, on the, that flat, uh, fire road in the middle, just looking at her bike and just kind of trying to to pull off the race, you know, <laughs> out of the race, sorry. And uh, I was like, no, continue, because she was still running a, a decent time. And uh, yeah, she got fourth that day and still like <laughs> huge results for for the team and even for her. And uh, yeah, then that year, I think she was on most podium, you know. Incredible, yeah. yeah. And does and, that, uh, like, does that help you then bring more money into the team and like take it, up another level is that is that a big part of it oh money i I would say money arrived like uh much later because you know it's we were still like super small and uh and i would say the next year when she won uh valdisol uh definitely helped growing but again you know these first years of uh the 2010 era if i call it if you can Mm -hmm. call it was like still you know a really small setup and obviously st- still trying to do things as good as we can with what we had. But yeah, definitely it was more of a mission to, to complete the season, you know, it was uh, like, yeah, <laughs> just spending money and uh, hopefully sell bikes at the end and a few parts to, to recover from, from it, you know? Yeah. So how do you turn that around then and start adding more riders to the roster? Cause the team's steadily grown over the years. Um, so yeah, that, that uh, so, twenty twelve was a good season for 
for for the whole team. I mean, Miriam had a good season, uh, no win, but she was uh, she was like on 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 most podiums. Uh, I had my best season ever, and uh, my brother also got qualified at quite a few World Cups, so it was good. And at the end of that year, Remy uh, Therion steam was uh pulling out as well and uh you know we've we've known remy for for almost ever at that time and uh and we really wanted to to make that happen and uh yeah came to commensal and uh and obviously asked for for more money but at that time there was still the the Arthurton on the program so obviously the 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 budget were were limited but we we got the means to do everything better and to be able to to have Remy in the team and uh, and yeah that was definitely another turning point in the in the team history because yeah not even a year after that and Remy was uh, was winning Valner World Cup and it was uh, yeah another crazy moment yeah really starting to put the team like into the the spotlight I guess even more people paying attention when you've got riders at the top and the men of the men's and the women's field it makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think quite a lot, of, a lot of people remember Remy's run in Valnor. That was, remember, like insane to watch. He was like, Remy is so skilled. He's one of the most skilled riders on the, on the circuit and still now. And uh, yeah, I remember that run like it was yesterday. And that was, that was so good to witness. You know, it's like almost like every wins we get, you know, when you get that, you just want to want to get more. And that's, that's probably why we're, we're still around and, uh, and fighting for more, you know. <laughs> good stuff. So at that point in time, then what was the, like the balance was, was the team management a hundred percent you, were your parents still involved? What was the setup then? No, from a quite, a, quite a few years back, we were doing this with, uh, with my brother, Gaetan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, he started to be more involved around 2010. And uh, yeah, from that point, we were doing like, um, yeah, we're doing the full job around it. Uh, obviously, it was a lot easier than what it is now because, you know, uh, there were less, um, it was, uh, obviously, it was smaller. So everything was uh, was easier, but uh, yeah slowly and nicely like growing up and uh, and learning the job and uh, and you know being a racer as well as manager i think always helped to to help understand how the riders can feel and uh, and uh, yeah, you know it was really complimentary and uh, yeah can't regret it just uh, yeah we were spending quite a lot of hours because obviously we were still working as a as key instructor during the winter Training to try to be competitive at the at the World Cups and uh, doing the team manager's work, you know, organi- organizing everything, you know, until I remember like sometime midnight at the evenings in the winter, <laughs> like after training, after a day on the ski to, to teach ski to people. So that was a, that was pretty intense. A busy man. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm right in saying 2023 is the first year that you've not been listed as a rider on the team. Is yeah. that right? You've st- you stayed as a like at least a listed rider, and you've been certainly riding in some of the practice sessions. Like, how have yeah. you managed that transition from like racer manager to full time manager? Um, I think uh, like until last year, pretty much, um, I was still feeling kind of competitive, and uh, but less and less, obviously. But but we always feel and all we have to always add um, the push from the riders to to keep racing because they always feel that 
you know, it was a plus for them to have us on the track and uh, adding that track feedback that we can provide and uh, maybe our knowledge from probably the experience we had from maybe 10 years racing or, or more or 24 for me that they could benefit it from. And, uh, and for us as well, you know, we can feel it when at some races when we are like 100% on the side on the track compared to once uh, we took part of racing. That feedback is a lot more difficult to, to, to provide, to give, you know. And, um, and yeah, that was it. But yeah, at some point, you know, when you are in a start gate and you're racing, you know, you still want to perform in somewhere. And uh, even more if you've been a racer and, uh, and yeah, it takes some time to kind of realize you're like completely out of the game. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think last year was definitely the year I couldn't train as much as I wanted. And, uh, and yeah, I think, yeah, 38 years old, it was, it was my time to, to kind of focus on the big job and, uh, and yeah, trying to, trying to help them in a, in a different way. Yeah. Do you think it will help having more time to be a team manager and less time spent on the hill? Or do you think you'll miss some of that important um, like, information? You know, uh, I've been riding racing first of all, because I love that so much for, for all, all these years. And obviously that part will, uh, will miss me. And, uh, and, you know, if I could train, well, it's maybe kind of pretentious to say that, but if I could train properly, I, I, I still think that I could be not too bad, you know, definitely not winning races, but, uh, probably get some, uh, some, some qualities, you know? Yeah. But, uh, again, that's not the point, you know, now we're here to, to, to bring that team to the next step, you know, um, we've, we won the, the the team overall for the like four times in the last five years, and uh, you know everybody wants our our help. Let's say so. So yeah, we we definitely want and need to think further and uh, and do what it takes to to get to the next level, you know. And uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I can somehow I can't do that while still racing, you know. It's uh, it's more yeah. You 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 can't train and. When you can't train, uh, you take more risk on the bike, and you know. And uh, needless to say, that the pace and uh, the level at the races is uh, is definitely not the same that it was ten years ago. You know, for sure, man. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the team as it is today. You've got a pretty insane lineup with Miriam Nicole, Amory Piron, Thibaut de Prella, and Hugo Marini. First off, I think it's right to say that most of the team are on kind of pretty long contracts in the grand scheme of mountain bike yeah. racing is that something that's important to you um yeah for sure i mean like uh again it's been said like a thousand times but uh, we're like a family you know we we know each other's for forever uh obviously we're all french so it helps things a lot and uh yeah as long as we can make it work the way it is for sure we will keep going this way because uh, uh i'm sure it's it's a force to be that close uh, all together and uh you know we we basically know every everyone's secret so it just i wouldn't say easy to make it work but uh but yeah you know we have we have riders with the with great potentials if not the best uh no, the idea is just to to give them the best tools to 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 perform instead of you know trying to find someone's better for now yeah how important, like you say, I mean, it's, it's grown from being a, literally a family team and it's retained that family 
vibe, that family atmosphere. Has that been hard? Because as things get more serious, more money's involved, it can be, things can become more serious, right? Has it been hard to keep that family vibe? Uh, I wouldn't, I would say no, because uh, everything stayed so natural uh, in that process, you know. Obviously, yeah, uh, everything evolved in a, yeah, a different scale, like another another planet, let's say, really. But uh, yeah, the atmosphere never really changed, uh, in, except that we we just want to win even more than before, maybe <laughs> too much sometimes. But uh, but no, the like the atmosphere on the ground was just uh, it's just the same, you know. Uh, my parents have always been around, and they're still around, you know. Uh, they just <laughs> they just hang there now because uh, uh, my my dad still drives the the truck with my brother to to go to the races um, and enjoys that. But once that the races, he just yeah do and enjoy being there being there. You know, uh, my mum was cooking for the whole team until um, until the end of twenty twenty one. Okay. Uh, no, we have the chance to find the chance. Let's say the chance for her, or at least the opportunity to, to leave her like more free time and uh, enjoy like, some kind of retirement with a to hire a chef, a chef to to cook for us. So, but yeah, they're still around coming at the races because you know when you you've been at the races for your whole life or your whole second part of life. <laughs> like we can't leave them at home, you know. They would be, they would be sad and uh, and not happy about it. But you know, they are part of the, yeah, of that bunch of people, and um, yeah, just normal that we we keep them around. Yeah, that's cool. Has it been challenging to grow the team over the years? Then, because you've gone from one of the definitely one of the smallest teams at a World Cup to definitely one of the biggest teams at the World Cup in relatively short period of time. Like, what what of the big challenges and hurdles been that you've had to overcome to get to that point um i, I would say it, everything came together quite uh, i wouldn't say easily because it's not it's never easy but uh you know we we've always been doing things with kind of short budget and uh learn how to make it work with limited budget mm-hmm. that luckily we got like very good results over the past let's say yeah, I would say it started back in 2013 with Remy and even a bit before with uh, with Mayan, but from 16, 17, it got like even more. So uh, luckily we got more budget and uh, we just kept doing things that the way we, we, we were doing them. And uh, yeah, it just remained natural for us to 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 do it this way, just trying to do things well, try to be, yeah, to, to do the job and not waste, you know, money and, uh, and resources. And, uh, I think I would say nobody feels, uh, like, uh, left behind within the team. We, we still trying to do our best for, for everyone, you know? Yeah. Where have you used that budget then? Like that you feel has really helped drive the, like the performance level of the team forward. So there's certain things you've invested in that you feel have really paid back. Um, not really, you know, obviously like uh, when you, you've got good riders, you know where a big part of the budget goes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, just obviously hiring the, the right person to work for us because, uh, you know, having a strong team, a strong technical team behind you is, uh, is really important. And 
having like a, a big and reliable structure behind is also really important. You know, be comfortable at the races. You know, with the truck, uh, with like a big setup and uh, every tools you need to to do the job and do it in the good conditions. Not only for the riders but for the person who who work for you is a uh, is also crucial. You know, and uh, yeah, just more more generally, yeah, just around the team organization. It's it's uh, it's now becoming a, a bigger job as we definitely want to go to the next level. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's a part where the, the, the resources come, uh, comes to, you know? Yeah. And that well, it's a big squad, right? The common Markov team, like the staff list is pretty long these days, isn't it? How many, how many staff do you have? Um, uh, from let's say direct staff and secondary staff, it's, uh, above 20 percent, you know, if you count, uh, you know, filmers, uh, photographers, uh, people that work for us in the in the shadow. Let's say, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. more than twenty. Yeah, because yeah, you know so- we have um, let's call the the riding addiction setup, which is which is like the team property and uh, the team company. Um, but we also like you know we are like so close with Commensal and uh, quite a. Quite a little part of the of the commercial company also works for us, you know. So, yeah, all together makes quite a quite a lot of people. Yeah, big squad. Do you do you think the bigger budget teams have a significant advantage over some of the smaller teams? And I guess one direct comparison we could make is between you guys and another commercial team, the Dorval crew, who've got obviously got Cami and Benoit, who are both capable of putting up a good you know, strong challenge to the riders you have on your team, but I'm guessing their budget is a fair bit lower. Like the setup's definitely a lot smaller. Do you think the the facilities you have and the budget you have is a real like competitive advantage in that, in that setup? Um, competitive. I, I couldn't say for sure it helps, you know, uh, <laughs> let's not hide ourselves, you know, it just, uh, when you have money, it's, uh, it's easier. Uh, but it's also never enough, you know. Uh, you know, we have, we've got like a lot more budget that we had ten years ago. It's uh, it's crazy. I wouldn't have think about it uh, in the past. But still, this day, you know, it's never enough. And uh, and where the sport is going, you know, we will always need more. And uh, yeah, I would say for sure it helps uh, being more competitive, maybe. Uh, but Again, and I think the Dorval team or maybe other teams proved that uh, over the past few years. Uh, when you're in the start gates, okay, the bike, um, the settings, the, the job behind is a part, but the riders makes the, the big job. And uh, I think it doesn't prevent rider to, to perform, I would say. Yeah, fair. If budget was unlimited, are there certain things that you'd spend money on straight away? <laughs> private jet <laughs> <laughs> helicopter yeah no yeah oh, just on a yeah organiza- organization um, side of things just uh, such a mess I think our sport isn't good for that kind of um, helping the organization you know when we have to travel the, the world obviously it's not much at that time you know um, these years it's just like a, a trip to the US for to work up it's not crazy mm-hmm. but you just see that one the mess it is to to get 
everybody comfortable, uh, not only speaking for my team, but every teams are like looking like gypsies overseas. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, we need to get support on this side from, uh, from the organization, uh, from the World Cup. I'm not sure the way it can be doable, but for sure it's on the, on the request table because, you know, if we, if we want our sport to get to the next level, we definitely need some real support on, on that side of things and get something organized more widely than just team by team. And, uh, and yeah, just something to help travels would be definitely a, a plus or yeah. a, a, a brain scratcher less, I would say. Yeah, that makes total sense. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Commensal's involvement and specifically the main man, Max. And I'm guessing like his involvement with the team has grown over the years from like you say, back in the day, I guess the Athens Commensal team would have been like the number one Commensal team. And now that's you guys and your crew. How is that having the boss of the kind of title sponsor there at every race, like super passionate about the racing? I'm guessing there's like two sides to that. Do you feel a pressure? Uh, not really, you know, uh, you know, I, I've known Max for yeah, 15 years now. And, uh, you know, I think we passed that step of, uh, of pressure. And, um, yeah, again, we, <laughs> he knows that we want to win like crazy. And, uh, we know that he wants us to win <laughs> like crazy. So, so we're on the same, on the same note. And, uh, we, we are kind of realistic about the, the stakes, you know, but, uh, no, I mean, for us, for sure, we wouldn't be where we are without commensal support. Um, you know, and more personally, or just, I would say like Max is such a legend, you know, in, uh, in the sport, you know, as even more as a French, you know, and, uh, when I started looking at bikes, uh, back in the days, like 95 or, or so, it was already in the mix and, uh, and winning races with, uh, with Sun and, uh, and I think it did before with, uh, with the BMX when I was uh, even younger, but yeah, it's crazy. Everything it did, how it touched over the, the past 30 years got successful. And, uh, yeah. I don't know what the f it does with, uh, <laughs> in, in the, in the shadow or whatever to make it work or help us. Uh, succeed but that's that's pretty cool it is for and, sure uh, and there's a lot of energy and passion in max but in the whole team but things don't always go to plan it's mountain bike racing and is that when your role becomes kind of even more important do you think when things aren't quite going to plan um sure but maybe sometimes they aren't they, they, they don't go to plan because of us, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think we did some mistakes over the past few years because I were on good to win. And uh, maybe we did we, we never pushed the riders, you know. Um, you know, riders are, have the same problems we have. They're they like so competitive and uh, we have ones of the most competitive on the circuit, I would say, even uh, like it can be Amory or Thibaut and um, even Miriam, they, they're really like to win and they're like they have a crazy mindset about it but uh yeah maybe something that we learned over the past few years that we we really need to kind of guide them more on uh, what they have to do on a very weekend yeah and, uh, something we you know we if it's definitely a, not a, a mistake but you know we learn from our mistake but um yeah we kind of you know 
on the way to get to the start gate and and the way they want to run their race, we always let them uh, get to this the way they wanted. You know, we we never told them, okay, today just aim for podium because you know it's it's the only thing that we can get. We are too short for victory or whatever. Or just play it safe and you know bring points. And uh, definitely our our <laughs> our mistake last year and. <laughs> We were, I think, from the start of the season, we were like, "Yeah, let's aim for victories every round." And uh, and yeah, if it works, for sure, it would be. Uh, we're paying for with the overall and all this, but yeah, it. I think at the end of the day, it added a lot of a lot more stress than than, uh, <laughs> than it could have been. So, so yeah, learning from that. So you think you'd have given Amory a different kind of pre-race talk before Monsonan? Is that what you mean? Yeah, definitely. For example, because yeah. especially that one was, uh, has been kind of, uh, I think the breaking point in the, in the season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm really never crashed in a, in race run. Um, he crashed in Monsantan, you know, last race before world champs, uh, world champs, if you want to win it and he wanted it so bad, but you you have to left it left everything out on the track for for that race if you want if you want to win it and I'm not sure but you know crashing in in his last last race run uh, before Watchams can have can maybe have played something in his mind to not push the way wanting in uh, in fina- finals in Leger and uh, yeah then Valdisol was maybe another story we were probably all tired from the season, all tired from world champs because it's always a, a very demanding week and that track was just insane. Plus a bit more uh, like a little storm dropping just a few minutes before it started didn't help. But uh, yeah, I think in the future we will just calculate a bit more uh, what we're doing. I yeah. think it's, uh, we, we kind of played over the past few years and uh, we will trying to play a little less, still playing a bit, but uh, a little less and, uh, <laughs> and be a bit more calculated. Yeah, fair. I was going to ask about uh, Val de Sol because obviously Amory was looking to take the overall, but there was a few challenges, I think, that weekend for the team. Like there were some some issues keeping tyres on rims on that track, which wasn't just a problem for your team, I'm sure. Like it's a gnarly track and a lot of people were having problems but it limited the rider's practice. And there's always that, what if it happens in the race run thing and the race run needs to happen and it needs to go okay. Like the pressure I'm guessing in that situation is really on. Like how do you as the team manager operate in that environment and kind of keep things level-headed and smooth and make sure that everything that needs doing gets done and the riders aren't feeling the stress and it must be a big challenge. Yeah, it's a big challenge, um, but yeah, I think the main thing is just to stay calm. Calm, and uh, I think it's <laughs> maybe something that I can do pretty well. Uh, it's maybe one of my faults, <laughs> if I can call it like maybe my only <laughs> faults. But uh, I have, I, I can, yeah, remain calm when it, I have to, and uh, yeah, I think just keeping that kind of good atmosphere within the team, which was, and uh, you know. We knew what we had to do. We did the job as much as we could. We have all we had all the trouble that we could, we could have over a weekend. You know, yeah. At some point, like everything that wasn't on the bike starting to to explode, like and 
not a single run the same problem. You know, we had that problem with wheels, but one run was like a rim explode. Next run, a tire blew off and the rim was okay. And the next run, a spoke broke and pinched the, the, the rim strip. So, you know, obviously on wheels, but never the same problem. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, there was something happening and uh, obviously definitely had some pressure, but, uh, you know, we worked around it and uh, found solutions for the, for the next day and, uh, and technically everything went good. Um, you know, Miriam won, uh, Thibaut did okay, but, you know, I think the problem wasn't uh, on the technical side, more like on the mental game side uh, this year for him. Um, Amory crashed because, again, maybe we didn't guide him in the best way, but at the same point, there wasn't much to lose at that race since uh, since Finn wasn't uh, wasn't racing. Um, yeah. But we we would have never think that Amory would crash because he's never crashing again, or like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and uh, yeah, ended up crashing again. So we. We weren't sure we could clinch the the team overall that day because uh, Santa Cruz were were close behind. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, hopefully they've got some uh, some issues too, and uh, we could get it. But for sure, that was kind of a a bit ahead of the season, and uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's the way it goes. Um, but it's sometimes good to to be hit and kicked in the face to to kind of stand back up and remind you that you have to work and everything is not easy. 100%. Are there, are there certain things that you think help you to deal with stress? Like, is it something you've just naturally always been good at or have you worked at it? No, I think I've always been like a kind of a, yeah, my dad would say that this guy doesn't know stress. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I think just, uh, yeah, naturally I'm just kind of a, easy going if I can say just uh yeah obviously I, I've got, I'm, I'm stressed like but I kind of I'm, be, I'm able to keep it inside of me and not showing it if I could say yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm stressing like uh, other people do but uh, inside <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing as well as dealing with stress you need to be a good communicator because you're working with lots of different people and you need everyone on side but I guess most importantly is your relationship with the riders. Do you find the way that you interact with each of the riders is different? And how do you go about working out the best way to work with each of the different riders that you have on the squad? Um, obviously, like my, my brother do a, a big part in all of this because um, I would say maybe, well, probably because he's younger than me. You know, he's, uh, he's seven years younger, so okay. closer than these guys in terms of age. And yeah. um and yeah, I think anyway, both we, we just do it kind of, it, it comes naturally, you know, we, we just know them um, so well that we know when we, we need the, the way we need to take them and uh, what we have to tell them when it comes, when, when it needs to. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't say we, for sure we adapt things on, on the way they feel and et cetera, but you know, it, I wouldn't have any any tips or, or whatever. It just comes, yeah, natural, you know. Fair. And like you say, the team's kind of positioned itself at the very top of the sport. Like you are, I would say, the team to beat at the moment. 
is that's kind of a hard position to be in, I suppose. Like, how does that feel? Because you definitely didn't come from that position. You've worked your way up to it. How do you feel now that you are the ones that everyone's trying to beat? Uh, you know, the, the stress you're talking about, so which is inside, it's, it's because of that. <laughs> um, no, f- but for sure, when you, you're at the top, you, you just want to stay at the top. Um, it's been quite a few years, and uh, I don't know if there are teams that stayed at the top longer than that I know you know there, there has been the track team um, I think the other turns back in the days and quite a few teams that have been good um, yeah I think the challenge is uh, is to stay there and uh, definitely up for it uh, but for sure it's going to be it's going to be tough because you know uh, we have strong strong teams uh, against us uh, and for sure like the the new season, the new race format, everything is going to be challenging. Uh, obviously, the new kids coming from uh, from juniors are like hammering like hell, yeah. and uh, they, they have like that uh, your your f- freshness, if I could say that. That yeah, kind of add them, and uh, for sure it's going to be interesting. And uh, but yeah, we're working, we're trying to do everything we can to be to be at the top again, and. Uh, We'll try to play it smarter than before, and hopefully it will uh, it will work out for a lot more years, not just yeah. a few. <laughs> and how important is the team overall in the grand like scheme of things? Because I think, like obviously from an athlete's perspective, it's the individual results they're interested in, and I think to a greater extent, it's probably the same for the fans. Most people are looking for like who's won the overall. Do you think it's more of a thing for you within the sport wanting to take the overall or do you think it has a value as well like in in the bigger mountain bike world no yeah i I don't think that's like a proper value to it uh i I would say that for sure as a team it's the it's a great record um yeah award um obviously less important that an athlete or rider um, overall but I know uh, Max obviously is really uh, into that one into, into that one too so he wants us to be the, the best team and uh, and we're definitely happy to to, to, to bring it home uh, as much as we can but yeah for sure it doesn't give you like much more but it's always cool to, to say hey I'm, <laughs> we're the best team yeah four times over the the, the past five years and um, and I think it's also a good reward to the whole team that get to go on the on the team podium at every races and at the end of the season for to grab like the the overall trophy mm-hmm. and you know all these people are in the shadow there they can go on the World Cup podium which is like still pretty cool and uh, yeah we have some crazy good memories from all of them you know just yeah just a way to to celebrate as a team and uh yeah definitely the best uh good things for for us and yeah, important you, you seem to be pretty good at uh post-race parties there's always <laughs> a good uh a good vibe coming out of the common sound muckoff pits yeah we uh we we we're getting good <laughs> yeah the last couple of race of the season this year has been has been has been insane you know we obviously we always love uh world cup parties and uh Remember the first World Cup years I've I've been I've been racing. You know, parties were 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 pretty huge, and that was that was fun. And we kind of lost it over the years, and uh, kind of coming back now. And uh, yeah, that's cool. And uh, yeah, <laughs> when we can do it 
and I hope it's yeah, just a, just a plus and a way to celebrate all together and uh, just a disaster when you wake up in the morning and you <laughs> get to clean it. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, definitely cool. Definitely, man. I want to talk a little bit about testing because it's becoming like, I think a much bigger part of racing, certainly for the teams at the top end. It's not cheap. There's a lot of money going into it. Um, but the testing schedule for teams in the off season is getting kind of heavier and heavier over the years, I think. How do you guys think about that? Because I think you're one of the teams that does a lot of it. And I know you think about how you structure it because you've got various different things you need to achieve. I guess you've got to be balancing like performance and setup work with development of new parts. Like I know you spent some time recently with Schwalbe and Envy, I think, doing tyre and wheel-based testing. Like, how do you think about your test camps and how do you plan and structure that to make sure everything's ready once the season gets going? Um, yeah, so obviously we've been building, like uh, making team camps over the past few years around testing. And uh, again, we, we learned a lot over the past few years how to make it work in the best way. And uh, I think this year we kind of, processing it in a in a different way trying to be more structured in all of this uh i won't tell like every every secrets of uh, of doing but just trying to trying to come into into this like organized and you know knowing what what we what we look for and uh what we need to find and uh yeah that's that's the way it goes and uh we're lucky to have like yeah, partners like super devoted into into development and um, that's really important for us because obviously we 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 like to to look further and to 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 look for what could be the next thing that could help us to win a few hundred, you know. And um, and yeah, definitely. Like obviously, it's almost like I would say yeah, ninety percent of the time our our team comes these days. Yeah, it's getting more and more detailed as well i think like i think i saw some social media stuff from your mv test camp where you were you were literally just testing different builds of front wheel like that was the purpose of the test it's insane like the level of detail that we're going into now to try and find gains on a track it feels uh feels pretty exciting that's crazy like uh even myself as a like the rider side of me you know i'm (laughs) i could get lost into everything we we are uh, we're testing now and uh yeah uh yeah sure like yeah for example last campaign we came over with like I, th- I think not far from 10 different products uh, that we had to test and uh and it's insane like the the work they're doing you know when you it's not just people showing up with new products uh it's people like spending hours of time uh, in the background to to learn about it, to try things and uh, to test things. It's just like, yeah, if you put all these hours on a paper and um, yeah, do the math of what it costs to the bronze and uh, on top of that, what it costs to the, uh, when to these people, when they're on site, to the team uh, with the engineers on site and mechanics on site, you know, it's, uh, it's huge. But uh, I think it's really important as a, as a team and for the sport, you know, to, to be considered as a, as a real sport, you know, as a, you know, we always like yeah, uh, DH's formula, the formula one of mountain bike. Uh, I think it is, but yeah, we, there's like many things to, to do, to, to be better. And, uh, 
and yeah, we we have to 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 look for that and and find them and and yeah, <laughs> try to 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 be and remain the best, you know. Yeah, and we've got that kind of late start this season, which I guess gives people plenty of time to go away and do that testing. But as we progress over the next eight years or so with Discovery, we're told that we're going to have quite a lot more rounds at some point, and I'm guessing the calendar is going to spread further across the year. But teams are getting more and more used to having big chunks of time to go and do that testing. Do you think that's going to be a challenge in the future to kind of get ready for the season if if the off season shrinks and we've got a bigger like calendar of events? Um, no, because I think uh, last year we had a kind of a good test about it with uh, with Lourdes being uh, at the end of March, like would have been in less than a month now, and uh, you know. Everyone, every team's got ready in time. Uh, obviously, it was a mess. It was a, a big struggle, uh, even more considering the, or was the industry um, at that time. But we all made it, and again, we just we we adapt on what it, on what the next year is going to be. And uh, and obviously, this year we have we we kind of have too much time for it. But also, it just leaves us time to to do things, you know, like I said, more structurate and, uh, and be able to put kind of a deadline on when we, we need to have everything ready to kind of uh, provide orders to the brand to do like what we've tested and what we want use for the season ready in time for the actual season start, you know? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Just like want- not finishing testing two weeks prior of a World Cup and, and say, oh, we need uh, 30 of these tires for tomorrow <laughs> and, uh, and these wheels for yeah, yesterday and all this, you know, it just uh, yeah, makes things easy prepared. for the brands. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Let, let's talk about something that's definitely a hot topic. I'm sure it's on all team managers' minds and that's concussion. Um, we've seen a lot more of it in the last few seasons, I would say. We've seen riders taking prolonged periods of time away from racing um you definitely had a couple of uh examples of it within the team this year miriam earlier on in the season amory later in the year what have you learned through all of that and like how are you thinking about concussion as a team now because it's i think everyone's learning right there's more and more science and and stuff coming through all the time no sure it's i think last year has definitely been a a big wake-up call around this because you know they've been part of the sport forever but you know, probably not taken as seriously as it is now. Yeah. Um, the way it's it's us um, it, it, it sorry it us last year uh, with Miriam first uh, was obviously like a big not a surprise but it was really complicated to to handle. Uh, you know, she crashed that morning in Lourdes, uh got quite bunged up, but not that crazy i would say on that time mm-hmm. um you know we have um, we have a team doctor that we work with for for a couple of years now that is uh, the french alpine ski team uh, doctor as well so in we, yeah you know he knows how to, to deal with uh with pro sports uh, riders and uh, and yeah and sports generally and obviously like concussion and stuff and you know Every time we had that kind of crash, uh, we got on the phone with him. Uh, riders spoke with him, and um, and at the time, you know, we got the clear light, the the green light to go. And um, and yeah, uh, unfortunately, like on the two occasions we had, so Miriam and Amory, uh, symptoms 
arrived a lot later, uh, a lot. Like for me, I mean, it arrived like I think more than a week later, which was kind of surprising, you know. And uh, and yeah, definitely, uh, we probably have done some mistakes around it, but obviously learned a lot. Um, again, you know, uh, talking about Amory's one in um, in Valna, so back in snowshoe, you know, he was still, uh, so f- first days in snowshoe, he wasn't feeling still good from it. Um, and we were like discussing with him on the fact to pull out of the race, you know, and, uh, and make sure he, he could be racing in, uh, in Mont saint like with, uh, full capacities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was like, no, there's no way I do that. You know, I, uh, I want to take it step by step and uh, and see what, what I feel. And uh, obviously, it's what he did. And uh, but on our side, you know, it's it's so tricky because we. I'm, I'm not sure if we can't. Uh, some people would would say we'd have to to force the athlete to pull out or whatever. <laughs> but these days, oh, I mean, on this occasion, like Amory was, if we would have do that, I think. <laughs> He would have hung himself in the. In the I was going to say you'd need a lot of people to hold him back. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, he would have. He would have killed us. Or yeah, did something, <laughs> something, and he played it smart again uh, around it. There will always be people talking shit about it. Let's say, but um, I think he played it safe and smart. You know, he didn't take much risk over that weekend. He started slow, uh, climbed his way up over the weekend and didn't crash once in the weekend. And I think he said that he couldn't really crash, let's say, but, um, but yeah, ended up winning, which was like, yeah, another like insane surprise. But again, you know, if this, if we'd have to do this again, I have no idea of what we do. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's so tricky, honestly, like it's, um, it's, it's a mess and um and yeah we i think the, the the safest option for for all of us would be to have someone uh that, that same person at every race is that kind of takes that decision for you and um yeah. do you think that's coming have you heard anything on that it's it seems to be coming for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. um no I, I i know it's on the paper and uh and eso want to do more with security and uh and obviously, when we're talking security, I would say this is part of the of the topic, and I think it's the first line. I would say, yeah. But um, but yeah, obviously, I don't say we took the the right decision in twenty twenty two. I compromise. We'll take the right one in the future, but for sure, we'll take uh, we give it more importance, and mm-hmm. uh, and for sure, like obviously, these two experiences gives us more more background and more knowledge about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a super tri- tricky topic. You, you mentioned ESO. Let's, let's touch on that discovery takeover because that's another kind of hot topic. How's that looking from a team manager's perspective? I've not really spoken to any team managers about it. Um, I still have a, a lot of uh, unknown again, uh, even if we're coming uh, closer to the season. Um, it's a big change. I truly hope it's for the good and, um, and I want to give them their chance, you know. Uh, they're, lo- they're looking like being a s- strong and big team. And uh, they, they 
they clearly want to bring the sport to the next level and that's what we need. So, yeah, for now we can tell everything we want and talk every bullshit that we want about them. Uh, I'm more in the process of waiting and see what they can offer. Um, I don't expect them to be like perfect at the first race, race for sure and mm-hmm. eventually on the first season. But, uh, but yeah, definitely think that it can only be good after like a couple of seasons and uh, we, we need a, st- a step forward and uh, you know Red Bull and all these guys have been great uh, over the, the past season you know they've, they've made uh, what we are now and uh, for sure like there's nothing to, 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 to say about it except it was great you know but, uh, but you know that change has come and, uh, and yeah totally hopeful that it's uh, it's for the good. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I want to trust these guys. Definitely. And does the Sunday schedule change with the addition of semi-finals affect you logistically? I've heard like a few teams say they might need multiple race bikes per rider now, just because if there's an issue in the in the semi, there's not enough time between the semi and the final to get the bike kind of rebuilt or fixed. How are you thinking yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, for for sure, it's going to be demanding on uh, on everybody. Like not only the obviously the riders, because it's going to be much more intense. You know, they're going to be uh, more fa- fatigue included, and uh, it's going to be more demanding on a race day. And uh, obviously, the team staff uh, mechanics, especially, is going to going to have to to work. Uh, yeah, faster. Uh, well, they're always been efficient, but yeah, obviously, more efficiently in a in potentially a, a shorter amount of time if some problems incur. So for sure, there will be some uh, some adaptation on our side, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be ready for it anyway. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> True. And one thing we hear like a lot of noise around in the forums, I guess, more than anywhere else, is the fact that the team fees have doubled for this year. I've not heard a team manager's take on that. Like, does does that bother you or do you see the the benefits that you're getting for that money of broader distribution and a bigger audience and stuff yeah for sure like i would say pretty much the same as i said before like i'm okay i paid (laughs) but i I really want to see what they will bring and i i i want them to prove that we can trust them and they can yeah get us where where we want to be so yeah on this side again we still need to know a lot more and uh, again like lots of um, team managers are kind of complaining that we are still a lot in the unknown mm-hmm. but um, but yeah just I would say the force that that group has compared to Red Bull um, somewhat kind of justify that increase which is huge I mean for the for sure it's huge and for smaller team uh, it's definitely another story but uh but yeah, I mean, in some way we have to, I wouldn't say to be selfish, but, you know, as big teams, we, we really need to, to look for what's the best for the sport. And, uh, and yeah, we, we need to bring it to, to, to the next level. Yeah. And that there's a real focus as part of this shift around improving the experience for people at the race. And I guess a big part of that is that sort of VIP level, like hospitality side of things. Do you, do much of that now like bringing people into the pits and and all that sort of stuff and how do you see that 
potentially changing because like at a Formula One race, you know, the teams will have like a separate hospitality suite and all kinds of stuff for for the, the VIPs as they arrive. Yeah, maybe it will, we will get to that, like uh, having another semi-truck to, to, to us people. Um, yeah, we, we used to have some, you know, mainly sponsor coming, coming at the race to, to visit us and uh, we kind of used to this. But, uh, but for sure, like the way it goes, uh, we, sh- we will surely need some adaptation and uh, obviously it will come still slowly. Uh, you know, it, it will change like drastically from next year. So we will, we will have time, I think, to adapt. Um, these guys, like the ESO organization seems, I would say this winter, they have been like super busy of um, setting everything up and I kind of give it to them because they haven't been that communicative, but I'm pretty sure they have a lot of their plate and uh, yeah. And maybe we'll wait that first World Cup to kind of <laughs> fight them. <laughs> but um, no, I think they were open for discussion. Uh, maybe that first winter and that first season, it was not the right time for it. But moving forward, we will be able to discuss more on what's the plan and where we all need to go. And uh, and I think that it's, it's already better than it has been with UCI. So... It can only be better, you know, on that communication side of things. Good stuff. Looking forward to seeing how it pans out. We're, we're getting close close to the end of our time. Before we hit our final four questions and start wrapping up, I'm interested what advice you'd give to anyone looking to go into kind of team management in the mountain bike world, be that on a big scale in a top World Cup team ultimately, or be that, you know, grassroots side of things. No, I think... Um, I would I would say that my path was uh, kind of ideal. <laughs> For sure, there was uh, a few years of a kind of serious struggle, and, uh, and uh, but again, it learned me and us the way to to work it out uh, with limited funds and um, and budget. So it's definitely yeah, teaching us the right way, and uh, I would rather do this than the opposite. For sure. Uh-huh. So starting kind of in a smaller team and working your way up, you think has been a big benefit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And do you think like with everything you've learned from your time running the team and working with these riders, if you went back again to kind of the start of your race career, do you think you'd be a better racer? (laughs) No, I think, uh, no, uh, these guys that win World Cup are definitely (laughs) on another level than I was. And um, maybe, yeah. Well, for sure, I was maybe too lazy when I was young <laughs> to, to, to go and train my ass off like they do because it's it's really becoming insane, you know, the amount of training they do. Uh, for sure, I, I do things differently, but uh, that wouldn't make me win Walker for sure. But uh, yeah. What maybe. sort of things would you do differently then as a result of what you've seen around you other than the training side? But Oh, not, not much, you know, just... Uh, yeah, for me, it's mainly this, like, you know, considering the chance you have to to race in a sport on a high level, uh, that can be maybe in ski uh, earlier in my years, you know. I always took it a bit easy, but I had some good skills to perform, and uh, I got decent results without doing much. Uh-huh. But when I think about it now, or when I look at younger people that, or younger riders that has 
skills to perform and not really exploring them. Uh, I want to kind of uh, not fight them, but push them to do more and kind of grab that that opportunity they have. But I was yeah. the same at the time, so no. so it just yeah, you know, for sure it's just the the way it is when you get older. You know, you just realize things that you you wish you'd have realized twenty years later uh, earlier. Sorry, yeah. But, uh, no, you know, I'm just uh, I say I, I really. I, I can't complain of the the the, the, the path we've, we've made with all of this, and uh, for sure we don't we don't have expect that twenty years ago. That's for sure. Awesome, man. Well, that, yeah. Let's wrap up with our final four questions. And the first of those, if our listeners had one hundred and fifty pounds to spend, which is about two hundred and fifty Canadian dollars, to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on? Good set of tires. Okay. What's your go to? You're a, you're a Schwalbe guy. Yeah, um, Magic Mary for sure. Mm-hmm. Front and, and rear. Split. Yeah. What and, and what um, casing would you run on? Like a on your uh, a trail enduro bike kind of thing. You do everything bike. I ride DH casing around. Okay. There's uh, actually not a huge uh, weight difference, but uh, yeah, just loving the way they behave and uh, yeah, our friend Carl at Schwalbe just does a, a great job to to provide some. Uh, some really cool stuff that be on the market in a in a yeah few months here, so you can expect some good things for, from them. Excellent, good stuff. Second one: if you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself, age sixteen, what advice would you give him? Uh, little kick in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, just work harder and grab yeah grab the opp- grab the opportunities you have. Um, yeah. Yeah, easy to take it for granted when you're when you're younger, I guess. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah. All right. Third one: if you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be, and what would you want to learn from them? Um. Oh, that's quite a few people, huh? Um, you can have more than one. I would say mainly sports uh, sports guy, but. Uh, I think Michael Jordan can be quite interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm saying that, but uh, I've been watching that uh, that Netflix show with him. Like in yeah. Last Dance, yeah, yeah, incredible. That's, huh? that's a crazy one. And uh, oh yeah, that, that'd be that'd be it maybe. Yeah, seriously driven guy, right? I don't think I've yeah. ever seen so much yeah, drive in insane. one human. Like yeah. he wants it and get it. <laughs> Amazing, yeah, well worth a watch for anyone that's not seen yeah, that. Definitely. All right, last one. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Oh, train the bike every day. Yeah? You manage yeah, to get out every day? Bike. Yeah, I try. Uh, you know, where I live, it's definitely not the best place for it in the winter. You know, I live uh, just beside Quebec and it's uh, yeah, like a meter of snow in, uh, in my garden. But uh, yeah, since I live here, I got to, uh, to fat biking in the winter. You know, okay. That big, that ugly bike out. with big tires. But yeah. uh, got to love it and uh, really enjoy it at the moment because uh, it's like riding bikes in the mud. And uh, yeah. yeah, I set up a cool bikes uh, a few years ago. Like it's it's not even ten kg. It's just like a little rocket ship. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's like every people you talk about fat bike. Um, just yeah, can't believe 
it's good and I was feeling the same before I get there but it's the only way I have I can go in the in the winter and uh, but I take it and enjoy it honestly so yeah just yeah a bit of biking doesn't need to be five hours but yeah trying to go an hour per day or at least if it's not bike just do yeah any kind of sport for like an hour awesome and if I if I don't do I'm kind of uh, in a bad mood after a few days <laughs> yeah i'm the same <laughs> good stuff girlfriend. man cool well if people want to follow throughout the season where's the best place for them to keep up to date with the team um yeah come and sell Murkoff, uh instagram page i would say yeah or just come at the race to watch us because yeah so good to have so many people at the races uh yeah like we had in leger Lourdes, and even yeah Monsanto and for william this year like all of them have been crazy and it's so good and so good for the riders so yeah definitely yeah races, if you've never been sure. to a race in person like it's definitely an incredible oh, yeah. experience and uh even more impressive than it is on the tv so yeah sure. highly recommend it good stuff man it. well it's been super interesting chatting i wish you all the best uh for a impressive 2023 season looking forward to seeing how the riders uh go how all the new format and everything pans out i'm sure it's going to be an exciting year but thanks for your time man for sure it will. Thanks for your time, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been great. Cool. Cheers, Diva. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Tibo. I really hope you've enjoyed it. There's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023. So make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or head into downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you want to support the podcast, you can do that by telling your friends about the show, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>